Okay, so now that you're all comfortably seated, I'm going to move some of you out of your comfort zone and I make no apologies for that. This morning I'd like to spend some time, or start by spending some time exploring what it means to be a good Christian steward. Stewardship's a bit of an old-fashioned word, which in the most common sense has been used in the context of gifting money or embarking on fundraising campaigns. But it's a lot more than that. And while using financial resources responsibly is a really important part of that, stewardship is a lot more wide-reaching than tithing or pledging money. Stewardship's the best word I can think of to describe the responsibility to, to care for the places we work in or get value from, whether that's an employer, a school, our church, a club, or maybe community groups that we belong to. A steward is somebody who manages the property or affairs of another. It's actually an old English word that means guardian or keeper of the house. But it has roots in ancient Greece, where servants were entrusted by their masters to look after and take care of uh, the, the affairs of the household. And this is in keeping with the Christian interpretation of stewardship, which teaches that we are called upon to take care of what belongs to God, who cre has created everything on our behalf. Just as a company manages or is expected to manage and take care of the assets of a company for the business owner, we have been entrusted with managing the earth for the creator. Each of us will be called to give a personal account to God. God will want to know what we have done with the possessions he has entrusted into our care. So here are a few areas for us to consider. Firstly, ourselves. God will check how devoted we have been to him. That's why Paul wrote in Romans 12, Therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Paul says that a proper and spiritual act of worship is to give yourselves fully to our owner to be used as his servant. Secondly, our possessions. God will also hold us accountable for what we have done with the things he has entrusted to us. One of the final parables Jesus gave concerned a master who had entrusted his possessions to three students, oh, three servants, sorry, while he was away. The master, after returning, held each servant responsible for how he had used or invested what had been entrusted to him. Thirdly, our time. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he says, Pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is will be held accountable for how we have used each day that the Lord has made and given to us. I want to come back to that one a little later on. And fourthly, our abilities. God will examine what we have done with the gifts and abilities he has given to us. 
God has entrusted to my management time, possessions, abilities, and even my very being. All are to be used for his honour. I will be accountable for all these things and how I use them. God has high expectations that I will serve him and grow to think and care and love like he does. In the time we have this morning, we cannot possibly cover every facet of stewardship, so I want us to focus on two of the main areas where most Christians struggle with this issue, time and money, the clock and the dollar. It would be foolish for us to think that God could be concerned about how we spend money, but not concerned with how we spend our time. For time is infinitely more valuable than money. Time can make you money, but money cannot buy you time. Each of us are allotted only 24 hours in a day, and each of us may spend it wisely, or you may waste it. But you can never get it back, and you can never get more than what was allocated to you. We need to be intentional in how we spend our time and about how we spend our money. That's part of what it means to be wise. It means that we need to run the decisions about how we use our time and our money through the filter of scripture and prayer. If we trust in God, he will provide us with all of the things that the rest of the world is so worried about accumulating. It is interesting that in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus follows up this teaching by telling us that where our heart is, that's where our treasure also will be. Where is your heart? Where your heart is will always be revealed by how you spend your time. You give your time or the substance of your life to what you love the most. For some it is money, for others it is pleasure or entertainment, for some sports or recreation, and for some it is the kingdom of God. Where your heart is can clearly be seen by how you spend your time. Now God, God is not calling us to all run off and be monks. He's calling us to be wise in how we spend our time, how we spend our everyday lives. He knows we have jobs to work, schedules to keep, and responsibilities that we must meet. He wants us to make intentional choices about what our preoccupations will be. As growing disciples of Jesus, we must become disciplined in how we use our time, just as we would become disciplined in how much we eat, how much we sleep, how we exercise, or how much we spend on this or that. This is what being a disciple is all about about discipline that is intentionally working towards a goal. And our goal should always be to become more like Christ. But as I mentioned, stewardship not only involves our time, it also involves our money, something which some people seem to value more than their time. A common theme in the Bible is how people used money. So much so that the Bible has 2,300 verses that deal with money, or more than 2,300. God knew that money would be a big factor in our lives, and he clearly wanted us to know how to handle it. Think about money in these three simple terms. Firstly, it is a trust. It is something God has entrusted to our care, something which belongs to him, but which he has given us to invest on his behalf. 
The idea here is that he will get a good return on his investment. If he trusts us with a little and we use it wisely, he will trust us with more. That's why he says, he who is faithful in a very little thing is also faithful in much. Money is something God has entrusted to us. It is a trust. Secondly, it's a tool. He expects that we will use it to further his kingdom here on earth, using it as best we can in mission and outreach to relay his gospel to those that are around us. If we are truly spiritually minded, then money will never become an end in itself, but rather it will be a tool, something which is to be used to accomplish a greater good, like a rope thrown into the water to save someone from drowning. The rope is not what holds the real value. The life being saved is what is of real value. So it is with money. It has value, but only to the degree that it is used properly. Thirdly, it's a thermometer. How we spend our money reveals the truth about our spiritual lives. In the gospel reading this morning, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermins destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Allow me to suggest a few tips which might help you to grow in this area of your walk with Christ. Firstly, assess your time and money expenditure. A lot of people have no real idea of how they spend their time and money. All of us have a vague idea of how we spend our time and money, but you might consider keeping a record for a few days of time and money expenditures. It may surprise you. Secondly, set some goals. You can start out simply by setting some goals as to where you're going to spend your time and money. Prioritise your life on paper and then live it out. It may be as simple as just writing down on a piece of paper the things you need to accomplish each day, or the amount of money you will allot to this or that. Remember your goal is to become more like Jesus, not more like Bill Gates. Thirdly, exercise some faith. Do it. Step outside of your comfort zone and, zone and do what God has commanded you to do, and trust him to take care of everything else. You will find that a life given to Christ can, can accomplish more in a smaller amount of time than one in your control. The same goes with money. Money is that given back to God goes a lot further and lasts a lot longer than money under your control. Unfortunately, I fear that too, for too many Christians, financial giving may have become a joyless, mechanical art, possibly even an attempt to earn God's favour. And that's something that we already have. Expectations of giving a set proportion of income may for some create huge pressures and burdens. For those who do not earn much, giving generously may not mean a large amount. For others, it may mean millions of dollars. Mark's gospel challenges us in this way. 
But a poor widow came in and put two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, gave everything that she had. For each of us, our situation is different, and that is why God does not prescribe specific amounts that we should give, but allows us to make our own decision. If we ask, God will work with us in determining how much and to whom we should give, and he will bless us with more so that we can give more. In Paul's second letter to the people of Corinth, he said, The point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. He goes on to say, Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. That kind of giving makes stewardship an exciting element of Christian living. As the Bible says, we love God because he first loved us, so we give because God has given to us. Understanding that, the material blessings that we have come from God, and that he promises to bless us back for what we give, makes giving cheerfully truly a joy. With the parishes merging into one new ministry unit, we are very fortunate to have be the recipients of insurance settlement funding for buildings which have succumbed to the earthquakes. This significant funding source has been a magnificent boost to our capital growth and has allowed us to commit to the proposed relocation of the foundry building from the University of Canterbury onto our site, adjacent to this building, and to provide much needed meeting space and multifunctional areas for children and young people's ministry a recording studio and community spaces. It has also meant that we've been able to make some wonderful improvements to our existing facilities to better suit our needs and future-proof them and to consider purchasing an additional property as another young adult's missional house. And it's just wonderful to see some of the improvements that you know every Sunday when we come here, there's something different, it's great. It's easy to look at the investment accounts, the cash reserves, the spending, and think that we're a wealthy and well-provisioned parish of significant worth, with little need to supplement income with donations, gifting, or tithing. It is true that we've been blessed with what could almost be considered a silver lining to the quakes, which has allowed us to be visionary and to grow. But the reality is that those funding sources are tagged for the specific use of capital projects, usually associated with property, and don't provide for our day-to-day -day running costs. If anything, the investment in property creates an even greater drain on our trading accounts, with increased maintenance, cleaning, heating and the like. The growth and attendance at our regular weekly services is hugely encouraging and a delight to see. A diversifying range of groups catering for the needs of folk who are asking questions, being real for where they are at, 
and recognising All Saints as the hub of the local community requires additional staffing and facilitation, hospitality costs and resources. The bottom line is that we do rely on the gifts given by God's faithful servants to remain operational. In my work as a real estate agent, I see so many young people stretching themselves financially and putting pressure on themselves that I often wonder whether it is necessary or healthy. I'm not suggesting that they shouldn't be investing in property. I think that it's great that they're taking fiscal responsibility. But I think they need to be realistic about expectations and be prepared to get onto the property ladder at the bottom rung. I appreciate that in the market at the moment that step may still be a stretch and the banks seem very willing to lend. But that first home doesn't need to be the flashiest. It doesn't need new appliances and perhaps even the spa pool can stay on the wish list a little longer. I see so many cases where what may have been comfortable on two incomes is not quite so manageable when redundancy, parenthood, or health compromise that position, and relationships become strained, health suffers, family milestones are missed because of increased pressure to work harder and longer. And what may have been discretionary income that allowed for generosity, voluntary work, and participation in community life is sadly no longer an option. Today I would like to challenge you to spend some time in the next few weeks considering or reconsidering thoughtfully and prayerfully where and how you are spending the time and money that God has so graciously given to you to use. God has been generous to us. He created a beautiful world for us to live in. He gave us companions and, friend and friends and family. And most importantly, he gave us the gift of his son. What proportion of the resources that you have is a fair trade? Your decision. Amen.